A top-secret visit by the Prime Minister to Camp Taji in Iraq, where New Zealand Defence Force personnel are based, has reignited questions about the merits of the deployment and how much difference it could make. New Zealand has about 140 troops in Iraq, with the sole aim of training the Iraqi security forces in direct combat skills and how to run operations against Islamic State. This week, Insight travels to Iraq to meet those on the ground and asks the politicians who sent them there what the deployment can realistically achieve. Um, so basically what we're running here is individual skills in yep. urban environment. I'm Jane Patterson and I accompany the Prime Minister to Taji Camp to talk to the New Zealand soldiers working there and the Iraqis they are training. The New Zealanders live and work with soldiers from several other coalition countries in the camp, which was originally an Iraqi Republican guard camp in the Saddam Hussein era. Situated northwest of Baghdad, Taji is dry, hot and barren. 36 square kilometres of sand, huge concrete wall barriers and buildings in various states of repair. 16 of the New Zealand soldiers are responsible for training, others provide logistical support such as transport, and a significant number are there as force protection or guardian angels. Okay, so we've treated the patient now, now we want to move them to a safe place. Once the trainees have finished their six-week training course, they will be sent straight back into the field to fight Islamic State. Although the name Islamic State is commonly used in New Zealand, most of those insight talk to in Iraq, New Zealanders and Iraqis alike, use the term Daesh, or death cult. A senior member of the Defence Force explained that was a strategic decision, as calling the terrorist force Islamic State is an acknowledgement they hold territory, whereas Daesh is a pejorative term. In Taji camp, reporters were given access to four training sessions, including combat first aid. This New Zealand soldier from Palmerston North describes the day's training. So this morning being day one, we've just introduced them to a tourniquet to stop bleeding of, of limbs, so major arteries that have uh, they've lost a limb, lost a lower leg or lost a lower arm. You apply a tourniquet uh, right, up, right up high on the limb and really uh, tight. And we can see New Zealand trainers in there with them? Yeah, definitely. Our guys get involved um, <laughs> if we can, so we show them, hey, this we can do it, so you can do it as well. You know, It's not, it's not a, hard, a hard skill to learn. And um, this group acknowledged this morning um, that they hadn't used it before and they've picked that up very quickly. This would be primarily for combat first aid? Uh, definitely, field? yes. So, um, like I said, if they're losing half a limb, uh, that's a lot of blood that's coming out. We need to apply this tourniquet as quickly as possible to cut off or at least slow down uh, the bleeding from those arteries. And pretty inexperienced recruits at the moment that you're training? Um, it sort of ranges. Um, they do have some more experienced people, sort of uh, five years plus in the Iraqi army, but yeah, the majority that we've been talking to, maybe um, 18 months to two years sort of thing. So, yeah. And what's the general attitude of the trainees? Um, that's also mixed as well, eh? But uh, most of them seem pretty keen. We've had previous um, training audiences that have been uh, less keen, but uh, by the time we st they start learning new skills, that's when the keenness comes out and they're always ready to train and always eager to ask questions and learn more. So maybe a bit of resistance when they first arrive about taking 
direction or taking tuition from, from other countries? Oh, I wouldn't say resistance, I'd say a bit more apprehensive. Um, um, and like I said, once they, they know that these are good skills and they've started learning some skills, they're more eager to learn more. What I might see at the moment is basically how the Jundi are going to move through our buildings, how they're going to approach buildings, um, proper clearances of doorways, windows, etc. Obviously very important to them because the, where they're operating a lot is in the urban environment. We move on to where trainees are being taught how to enter and clear buildings designed for the close-quarter urban combat against Islamic State. The New Zealander leading the training says it was the first day on this exercise for the Iraqi soldiers and their skill level is basic. They're really eager to learn. This is important to them and the, the urban stuff, they really they ask a lot of questions about that. There are some soldiers that have had previous training and there are a lot of soldiers that are new so they've done their basic training that they're what we would consider um, almost like recruits. So you would try to make the training as relevant as possible to what they're going to be facing yep. out in the field? and that's why we concentrate. You'll see everything today is MED, the urban and the counter ID. so we're concentrating on the stuff that they can use real-time. Yep. they teach you anything in any way? Oh, definitely. Whenever you're teaching someone, you're always learning. It's a different country, they approach things differently. I've been in the Army 11 years, but I'm still learning. But yeah, there's definitely things that you, you can pick up, and it's good because I'll often ask you questions that New Zealand soldiers wouldn't, just because of their different appreciation, and because they have seen combat, um, they've got some good questions, but we're able to um, help them on their way. And the good thing is, is that they'll acknowledge that what we're saying is really going to help them, because they know, because I've been there. He says many are already experienced fighters, which can be a double-edged sword. Because some, some of them are set in their way, so we sometimes find we have to really explain the drills, go through quite thoroughly, but then they, once they get an understanding, and because they can look at it from their own experiences, OK, this, this will probably work better, especially when we're teaching them that, like the individual skills about protecting themselves foremost, you know, They've got to get to the fight first. Welcome to Iraq. Thank you. Good to you. How are you finding the heat? Not too bad. Not too bad, eh? Um, OK, so I, I guess as a rundown for the stands, um, so we've we've broken them up into smaller groups, obviously, um, just so we can get some, a really good... This Linton-based trainer says there are plenty of good training sites around Taji for the type of training the Iraqi soldiers need. So this is probably one of the better training areas we can use. As you can see, there's lots of uh, different types of buildings. Um, so we can, we can train them in, in all sorts of complex manoeuvres and corridors and windows and doorways and multiple doors. So um, this is a, a, an awesome environment for them to be training. I'll tell you what, one thing that gets us is when they come in for training, um, we ask them about what they've already done and some of the stories are, are pretty outrageous. So they'll show us the, their bullet wounds from where they've been shot. Like one guy, he'd been shot seven times and his mate carried him a kilometre to get him to safety and swim him across the river and you know, things like that. Um, we ask them to put their hands up who's been involved in an IED and the whole class puts their hands up so that these guys are in the thick of it out there so um, it's, just, it's really good that we can help them with their training and help them keep going. He says the politics around the deployment aside for him the training has become personal. Yeah, that's one of the, probably the biggest senses of satisfaction for me is knowing that um, you know regard, people think what they think about about us being here and that sort of thing but like for me personally um, the satisfaction of knowing these guys are going to stay alive because of the, the training we've given them 
they know what's out there and they've seen it and they've, a lot of them have lost a lot of friends already. So when they come in here, they want to know the, they want to know the good stuff. They don't want to muck around doing drill or anything like that. They want to know the good stuff. They want to know how to defeat IEDs. They want to know how to um, put tourniquets on properly and, and often they're, they're the ones sucking the information out of us. He also served on the provincial reconstruction team in Afghanistan and says he feels more secure on this deployment. Certainly here we're in a camp environment, so um, you know you feel a lot safer and we've got a lot of people that are just around us protecting us. Um, on previous deployments we would have been out, out in, in the countryside a lot more, so it tends to be um, in a, it's a different, different environment altogether really. Do you think this New Zealand deployment can make a difference to the fight against Daesh in Iraq? Oh yeah, well we've we've put through quite a few soldiers now, and um, they are all they are all uh, loving the training that they've received, and the reports that we get back from the people that we've already trained are that they um, that they've been doing really well, really successful, and um, they uh, I, I, I hope it can continue. Yeah, the more people we get through, the better. Would you like to see it continue for longer than two years? Uh, well, I'm, <clears throat> I'm on the first rotation, so I know it's going to go for a couple of years. I'm not too sure after that, but um, you know, Kiwi's always always keen to get um, you know get stuck in and help make a difference. Another of his colleagues says he feels quite comfortable working in Taji Camp. Oh, I'm enjoying it, eh? I'm enjoying it. We're we're helping individual soldiers, so you can really see that we're helping them, and it is going to benefit them when they carry on uh, wherever they go. I know, and that, that's my personal opinion, and I, yeah, I'm enjoying it. The New Zealand public have been told it's a behind-the-wire exercise with, obviously, force protection, so you feel safe in this environment? Yes, I do. Yep, force protection are doing an excellent job. You can see them everywhere, and the, the soldiers as well. The journey, I feel very comfortable around them. So you don't yep. have any concerns about green-on-blue attacks or the interior security? There's always going to be a, a concern, but... Once we establish a rapport with the soldiers we're working with, oh, you can never be too careful. But yeah, that's that's good. It's good working with them. What yeah. sort of process do you take in terms of the training, especially I suppose with with weapons training? What sort of steps would you go through before you started working with live firing? So we take it right back to a basic level. So everything's done step by step, just like we do at home. Especially when they're introduced to a new weapon system, so they learn all the dry drills first. Uh, we'll keep training them until we're happy with the standards, so they, they won't do anything live until we're all happy. But because we're all essentially trainers at home, we're all, uh, most of us are senior NCOs, that's, that's just something that we do back at home, it's just the same as here. So the relationship and the feel and building that trust is actually quite an important part of the training in terms of what you feel comfortable with them doing? Yeah, yep. so we, you know, we look at the atmospherics, but we haven't had uh, any problems. We're quite comfortable. We'll, we'll get them. We won't do anything until we're comfortable that they're ready to move to the next level. Yep. So we do a, a lot of lot of dry training before they even touch anything live. One of the trainees, Warrant Officer Rafid Ali Order, explains why he is fighting Daesh as part of the Iraqi army. They took our land and they took and uh, kill our families, kill our uh, friends. So therefore we need to take over all those lines that have been controlled by Daesh and get it free and return it back to our people. He also talked about being trained by the New Zealanders. Honestly, working and trained by the New Zealand forces is very comfortable to us and we have a great relationship with them and we receive the information with all the details in the right way.
Private Ali Mansour was a carpenter before he joined the army a year and a half ago. I asked him whether he sees the benefit of training with the New Zealanders. Absolutely, yes. I could tell, like, because we were missing some information. And once we get inside this training facility, we start receiving those information. So we have the complete idea what we need to do uh, outside the wire. Did you want to join the army? So that's a decision from you yourself? I represent myself and I'm the one who decides to go join the army. And I'm not talking about myself, I'm talking on behalf of all the IAs in here. And does he believe Daesh can be defeated? I could tell you yes, we could beat them easy because we believe Daesh is like a doll, a baby doll. So you could break it and smash it too easy. The Prime Minister John Key was also shown around the training site and talked to both the Iraqi soldiers and the New Zealanders doing the training. They get a brief from their commander exactly how to do it and if anything goes wrong, what they should do after that. So uh, we're teaching them that, moving them into that and then um, we'll just keep repetition. It's all about repetition with these guys. And are you guys wired up so you can talk to each other sort of thing? Yeah, so if, there's, if there's an issue you If there's issues, we've got calls between all of us and oh, yeah, um, okay. if we're moving people around, right. they, they know where we're going. And how much Arabic can you speak? <laughs> a little, a little, a little so I can run a range. OK. OK. Um, just pretty, giving them the basic commands. That's pretty good then. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've got all the, the little words down right, and they okay. react to it. A okay. lot of uh, hand signals. Yeah. Because it's, it's very physical and they, they pick that up pretty well. I understand well. that, yeah, yeah, okay. But you need a little bit to calm with them and to. Yeah, yeah, and, they're, and they're yeah, just like normal soldiers everywhere. everywhere. Yep. Yeah. They have a laugh. Have yeah. a laugh at you or with you. Yeah, Either right. way. Okay. If you're smiling, they're happy. If, you're, yeah. Uh, yeah. if you raise your voice, they'll. Uh, they will uh, yeah. do something a little bit uh, quicker. Yeah. Yeah. During his walkabout, Mr Key also came across Sadok Burj al-Shamari, the commander of one of the Iraqi battalions. Me and myself, uh, we were in a fight before as a battalion uh, in the Fallujah area and Anbar and different areas. But right now, with all this experience, we're getting from uh, the teams in Australia and New Zealand, and uh, we hopefully going to uh, all the equipment we get and the weapons, and with us is going to help us a lot to go back and uh, fight again. How hard is it actually to recruit people to come and join your forces? Allah, we don't have no problems from all other provinces in Iraq to uh, join the Iraqi forces. The only problem we have is Anbar and Mosul because under control of ISIS. Right. For example, me myself, uh, I'm actually um, from Anbar, okay. so ISIS actually destroyed my house, killed right. some of my family, but I continue serving an Iraqi army. How are your men uh, finding the training so far? It's really good information we're getting over here. A lot of training and we like it. It's a good experience. It's going to help us a lot. Uh, on top of me, I'm actually graduated from Chief Staff uh, College, but all this is new to me and new to my jindis. Speaking at Taji camp, the Prime Minister John Key told reporters he felt a personal responsibility to make the trip to Iraq. Having come here now, 
Uh, I uh, felt very strongly about the mission before we sent our, our, our men and women here, but actually I feel uh, very vindicated in what we're doing. I think you've got uh, not only a New Zealand force which is very well integrated with uh, the Australian counterparts and other nations, uh, but they are practically at the front end of upskilling uh, the force of people that will actually have the responsibility of taking on ISIL. And you, know, you can see what the New Zealanders are doing. They're uh, taking a very localised view to it, not trying to impose a New Zealand way of doing things, not trying to impose our culture uh, on the Iraqi forces. Uh, they're using a respectful way of training them. Uh, they're understanding their culture. They're doing the best to understand their language. And I think genuinely to try over a short period of time to upskill and transform uh, the capability of people who have got a big battle in front of them. And, uh, you know, from the discussions I had with Prime Minister Bade and with the President uh, earlier in the week, uh, what's clear is they really feel as though they're starting to get control back. They're talking about uh, the ground that they're getting back. They're feeling as if they're getting on the front foot again. Uh, they, they know the enormity of the task and of the capability of ISIL. But equally, um, this is their country and they want to regain control. The deployment which began in April has been set down for two years and Mr Key says that is unlikely to change. You know, I think we uh, have come here uh, to try and make a real difference, but to recognise actually you're know, a small country, we have a limited amount of resources, uh, we've got people who have done a tremendous job and over the last you know, five or six months they've had to build out the capability here, yeah. physical infrastructure, you can see how harsh it is, I mean frankly it's a bit of a rubbish tip down the road and bits of it and, and you know, our people have had to work very hard to put together tremendous systems actually, everything from the logistics to the medical team. But, you know, we don't want to be here in Iraq forever. You know, we were 10 years in Afghanistan. It's a big cost. It's a big commitment. These are men and women that are away from their families and they'll do everything they can to do their job. Uh, but I, I, you know, it's not my plan for them to be here longer. So two years, two years is it for you? I believe that within that time frame we will have done a good job uh, of trying to upskill uh, the individuals involved. I mean, quite frankly, this is likely to be a troubled part of the world for a very long period of time. We could you know, arguably stay here forever. But this isn't you know, New Zealand's engagement, for instance, in the UN uh, peacekeeping forces in the Sinai. We've been there for you know, the better part of 34 years. You know, I think New Zealand's got a job to do here. Uh, we're doing it. And uh, you know, I think we sh there should be an exit point in two years. The Chief of Defence Force, Lieutenant General Tim Keating, accompanied the Prime Minister to Iraq. He told reporters the visit is very significant for the personnel serving there. This is a decision ultimately that's made by politicians, made by the Prime Minister. So having that backing the support from our political leadership to come to the front line, to have a look at what the troops are doing, to experience some of what they're experiencing. I can brief him in his office, in his cabinet room, uh, to the nth degree, but until you come and sort of smell the dust and describe the desolate uh, landscape and the conditions our people are, are living under, I think this is very important for a political leader to come and see it. Is two years long enough? Um, well, this is a political decision and we're going to make a significant difference in, in, in two years' time. Any time we're here is making a difference. Any battalion that we put through the training is making a difference. And uh, the political decision is, is, is uh, two years and our people work very hard in that two years to deliver the effect, which is producing a positive result so the Iraqi army can take on Daesh. Militarily, though, would it be advantageous to go longer? Um, look, you look at how long a piece of string um, is the, uh, th that sort of a question. In two years we will have made a significant difference and that's my uh, instructions from the Prime Minister and we'll have made a difference alongside uh, the Australians and the Brits and everyone else working here is two years.
The New Zealand soldiers are there at the invitation of the Iraqi government, but another significant partner is the United States, the country leading the 62-nation coalition. So who am I? I'm, I am uh, Steve Warren. I have been here since September, uh, serving as the spokesman for OIR, Operation Inherit Resolve. While at a military logistics base in Iraq, reporters were offered a briefing from Colonel Steve Warren, an American coalition spokesperson. He was keen to talk up the importance of New Zealand's contribution. Having New Zealand as part of this coalition is a critical, uh, makes a critical difference. Having New Zealand here as part of this 60-nation coalition really shows the world that this problem of ISIS is a worldwide problem. Uh, having New Zealand participate in this, along with Australia, along with the uh, other 60 nations that are part of this coalition, really brings home that this problem is a worldwide problem. One of the questions about the deployment has been what a small contingent of New Zealanders could achieve that the US could not, after training Iraqi security forces for several years and billions of dollars. Colonel Warren says the challenges have changed. One of the things that we've seen is the, you know, the Iraqi army that the multinational force led by the Americans trained in the early 2000s is an army that was trained to conduct a counterinsurgency operations. What we have today is not a counterinsurgency fight. This is a very legitimate conventional war. In some cases it almost reminds me of, of frankly, of, of World War I style. This is early 20th century style of warfare with static lines, uh, trench works, bunkers, direct fire, obstacles covered by fire. So it's a different type of, of war than what we trained the Iraqi army back in the early 2000s to deal with. Colonel Warren adds the campaign in Iraq and Syria is completely justified. This is possibly the most brutal, vicious group of people we've seen, certainly in recent memory. They chop people's heads off on TV, they immolate, they crucify, they run systematic sex slavery rings, they use violence, torture and rape as everyday tools. This is a brutal, horrific group of people who need to be stopped. So to have a coalition, every single member of this coalition sends that message out to the world that this is a worldwide problem. And keeping the coalition stitched together and united against this evil cannot be overstated. What do you say to people who are cynical about US foreign policy in terms of there are other brutal regimes around the world, there are other atrocities and the US and the US or UK lead coalition is here in Iraq? Well I'm just a soldier so I don't talk about policy much. The Labour Party's Foreign Affairs spokesperson David Shearer says it was the right thing to do for the Prime Minister to personally show his support to the troops in Iraq. But he says it's a step too far to argue somehow the full merits of the deployment can be gauged during 24 hours on the ground. Mr Shearer still questions the potential benefits of the mission. It doesn't weigh up and doesn't balance up in terms of the benefits that we are able to impart as opposed to the costs 
$65 million is, means that each one of the soldiers that we train comes at a cost of about $43,000 each. If those soldiers then, having been trained, then go into an armed forces which is not well led, is not well supplied, is not well equipped, uh, we're effectively not really doing very much and you can ask yourself well that 65 million dollars certainly would have gone a long way in the camps to look after refugees that desperately need that money. At the time of the deployment there were questions about the government's motivations in terms of joining the coalition and its relationship with the United States. How much do you think New Zealand's desire to work with the US has been part of this decision? Oh, I think it's been almost totally the entire reason for our deployment. It was about John Key wanting to be in the in the club, as he put it, with uh, Australia and the United States. And the, the really the evidence for that is when he went to Iraq and said, actually, our soldiers could be here or probably need to be here for much longer than they are, but I think two years is OK. Uh, if you're taking a a longer-term view of it and what we're, we're supposed to be able to help and to assist with and then cut it out after two years. I mean, it def def defeats your argument that we're somehow doing something. Two years is, is a token amount uh, in that context and uh, really you've got to question it whether it's, it's needed at all. It's more about John Key not being able to say no to Australia and the United States and having the guts to do that. Do you think he'll stand firm on that two-year deadline? He seemed pretty adamant at talking in Taji. Absolutely, I think he will stay with the two years because that will mean that the uh, New Zealand forces will be out before election year of 2017. And the last thing he will want is something untoward happening in 2017 uh, that would cast aspersions on our role there and, and, and have people questioning his wisdom about the deployment. A recent report by the Inspector-General of the United States Department of Defence was critical of the living conditions for the trainees at Taji Camp. It found the Iraqi commanders had refused to turn on power and water, supposedly for funding reasons, and that poor living conditions could have a negative impact on the trainees' health and morale. David Shearer says the broader problems with the Iraqi security forces are reflected in the trainees' living conditions. They go back to barracks where there's no water, where there's um, problems with cleanliness, with equipment. There's an there's a issue of reported lack and, and missing ammunition. You know, we are doing something within a broader context which looks like has major problems. And the question then becomes, how effective are, are we when everything around it could be broken? The Defence Minister, Jerry Brownlee, who visited Taji Camp in June, says he saw no evidence the training programme has been compromised. All I can say is that we have um, had good success with the uh, recruits that we've uh, been involved in training. Uh, the matters of their conditions is for the uh, Iraqi security force, not for the New Zealand government. Our job is and our commitment is to train those uh, troops as they turn out. Uh, and as you've seen, they, they do turn out and they're in pretty good shape when they do turn out. Is there a responsibility on the Iraqi government, given the significant amount of money being spent by New Zealand and other countries, to actually make sure these trainees have decent living conditions? Well, I'm not in a position to know whether or not they do, and I don't know when that report was done. All I know is that when I was in Taji, they 
uh, had re recruits who were turning up who looked in pretty good shape to me. So the report was done um, over June to August this year and was released in September. It is relatively recent. Right. Um, I suppose the question is, could it potentially undermine the training efforts if you have trainees who have lower morale and potentially health issues than they otherwise should have? Oh, I, I don't think that they do have low morale. It's certainly not my experience of them. I think they're pretty well motivated and I think they do get a benefit out of the training that we're providing for them. Politicians will no doubt continue to debate the merits of the deployment for coming years. A government review of the mission to be carried out early next year may shed more light on its effectiveness than was possible during a day-long visit. As for the New Zealand troops themselves, they say they will judge their deployment a success if the Iraqi soldiers are better able to survive the battle ahead because of the training they have received. I'm Jane Patterson and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to get in touch, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or send us a tweet at rnz underscore insight. I wrote and presented that programme. It was produced by Philippa Tolley with technical production by Mark Chesterman.